Welcome to the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast. We don't shy away and keep secrets here. We empower you with education, telling you the truth about all things aesthetic medicine while encouraging you to be the best version of yourself. It's time to look great and feel good doing it. This is your host, mom, speaker, and board-certified physician, Dr. Judith Forger. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 34 of the Aesthetic Doctor podcast. Today, um, I'm so excited to be having this conversation because I think it's a conversation that is really kind of needed and necessary. Um, I have special guest here, Dr. Yenka Akendeko. She is a family physician in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and she has trained in London, England, and she also has roots that um, go back to the African continent. So as she says, her claim to fame is really to have lived in three different continents. Um, Dr. Akinda Ko is very popular through her Facebook lives as a speaker, and she is the owner and founder of DYS Skincare. She is huge into advocacy work about issues surrounding black skin. And that is really what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about skin bleaching and really the sort of social and health implications that it has and the history of skin bleaching. I do want to put a disclaimer here that there is an element of racism and imperialism that is part of this conversation. So it's a trigger warning and a warning that we might touch on a sensitive topic. So Dr. Akinde Ko, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for having chosen such a sensitive and important topic to talk about. We're going to talk about skin bleaching. There has been really a lot of awareness in the news on Facebook about the social and health implications of skin bleaching. So please just kind of share with us why this topic is so important and so near and dear to your heart. Hi, lovely, lovely to meet you, Jude. Um, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories, right? And, um, and it will kind of feed into why you see this is my passion. This is why I love doing what I do. In fact, maybe three stories. So the first story is I was at a conference many years ago and it was one of these aesthetic conferences. I'm sure you've been at one of those before. And in those conferences, then they would have little breakout rooms, right? And you, they would have um, experts that would talk about this and that. Maybe there'll be a laser room, there'll be a Botox room. That year, for the first time, they had a black skin room. Because you know, black skin is the problem skin, right? And I've got my air quote hands up. So there was this room, black skin, and they had experts to talk about black skin. Where was I going to go? That was where I was going to go. I wasn't going to, you know, this was the first time I was excited. So I went in this room and they had a panel of experts, right, in that particular room. Not one person with black skin, by the way, in this panel of experts, as expected. It wasn't a shock. And um, they talked about a few things, you know, how the, the issues of hyperpigmentation and all of that. And when it came to the audience, audience question, one of the things they asked was about skin bleaching. 
Um, I've got many stories about encounters with seminars, but this particular one was about um, a drug called glutathione. I don't know if you'd heard about it. By that time, it was the craze. Everyone was using glutathione. I haven't had a lot of noise recently, but at the time, it was the thing to do, to use. And people were getting it IV, intravenous yes. glutathione. Do you remember that yes. one? Yes, yes. So then they asked this uh, person, you know, this intravenous glutathione, what do you think about it as skin bleaching? Oh, she said, we use it as an antioxidant. We don't use it as a skin bleaching agent. I'm like, okay, um, um, I don't think I got that. I think you do know that many of these people come. She denied it. And we kept asking in different ways and she denied it and she would not deal with this issue of an intravenous drug being used as a skin bleaching agent. And I sat there and I, and I thought to myself, why? Why is she dodging it? Is it because she doesn't know, which is possible because who knows what percentage of her patients are, have black skin or she knows but cannot deal with the, the social, psychological, uh, the, the racist implications. She didn't know how to deal with that. So she wanted to extricate herself. We don't know, but she refused to deal with it. And I thought to myself, if I don't speak up, who's gonna speak up? Like, I mean, this room, I know more than this woman. I'm happy to tackle the topic, right? I'm happy to speak up. I probably know a little bit more than her because that's my skin type as well. And that's one of my the things that made me start speaking up about it. And the second story I'll tell you was on Facebook. And you might have seen this post. Funny enough, it's possible because it's in one of these aesthetic Facebook groups. And this was a doctor put up a picture of a black woman. And this woman had hyperpigmentation. And this um, doctor said, what's the cause of this woman's hyperpigmentation? And I looked at the picture and I said to myself, because I didn't see the comments, remember on Facebook, you have to click on comments to see the comments. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, oh, someone would have diagnosed it at the first, the first comment will be the diagnosis because if any woman on the high streets of Lagos knows what happens to this woman, you don't need to go to medical school in Lagos, Nigeria to know what happened to this woman. Um, so I clicked on the comments to kind of, you know, see what they're saying. I had no intention of engaging with that topic, none whatsoever. And it had got to about 10, 15, 20 comments and no one had diagnosed this woman. Not one person. Remember I said this was something that the average woman in Lagos airport would know because essentially she had ochronosis from overuse of hydroquinone. It had destroyed her skin from years of skin bleaching, but no one knew. And people were talking and, you know, they had all this, you know, dermatology, you know how dermatology is something, something, artifacta, dermatologica, you know, big words, and none of them had addressed it. And it went on and on and on until someone said, oh, and also this woman has a wig on. I would like to, her to take off her wig so I can see what's happening on her scalp because there are scalp conditions that show up on the skin. And I just said, oh my goodness. This beautiful woman that would have laid her wigs on perfectly, made the edges beautiful, you know, and now she's the indignity of being put online. 
and a group of specialists not knowing what was going on and someone was going to take off her wig. Did this person not know that black women have like as many wigs as shoes or purses, right? They, they just change every day. You can have one wig in the morning and look different in the afternoon. And those were kind, and, and then I said, this is the diagnosis and this is what it is and it's very hard to treat. And following that, a few black people then, you know, a few black doctors, maybe not, maybe, I, can't, I don't know who they are, commented and said, yeah, this is most likely what's going on. And it just made me realize like, our patients are going to suffer, right? If we don't speak up, if we don't speak up, like they're going to be embarrassed and not get the care they need. So those are kind of the two stories that come to mind about why skin bleaching is at the top of my mind. Apart from that, also the World Health Organization released a study a couple of years ago saying 77%, like more than two out of three women in Nigeria bleach their skin, 77%. What, what has a, a, a prevalence rate of 77%, right? Why are they bleaching their skin? Is it because they have skin conditions they need to treat? Is it once again because of the social expectations? Is it financial expectations? You know, and then today or yesterday, just recently, the National Food and Drug Agency of Nigeria, just like the FDA, the equivalent of FDA in Nigeria, released a, a public health statement saying this is an emergency. They've declared skin bleaching an emergency in Nigeria. And in Black History Month, like what more can be more topical? Something that's mm -hmm. affecting 77% of the most populous Black nation on the earth. And apart from that, they did say 60% of Togolese bleach, 35% um, of South Africans bleach their skin. We haven't gone to the Caribbeans, African-Americans, the Philippines, uh, the Asian countries is like a what is a thing that we should be talking about all the time is a huge issue i i completely agree i mean it's been so on the news and i'm glad that it's being recognized right like because like like you said it has been going on for such a long time and you're right there's this whole attitude sometimes of let's just all pretend it's not happening and it really takes physicians and advocates like yourself to say, no, this is a big problem. And I see it. And, you know, there are social implications. There are health implications. So, you know, thank you for um, really calling it out. And even in my practice, you know, I don't, I think the majority of African-American women that come or skin of color, they want some sort of hydroquinone or lightener or vitamin C or, you know, I mean, it flies off the shelf almost practically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it, it, I mean, like I said, there, there are reasons, right? So before we tackle, don't do it. We have to ask why do people do it, right? Hollywood is huge on colorism. Right. Most of the black people you see on screen are light skinned people. Right. There's now a new TikTok heavy craze where um, mixed race couples with beautiful mixed race babies, you know, get more views than people than the uh, uh, black man and the black woman with a, you know, normal, you know, not, I wouldn't say normal. All ranges are normal, you know, with a black baby. You know, So it's so fetishized in itself, the skin color. 
And then there are lots of studies. There are lots of studies about in the studies in Mexico, in um, in um, it, lots of studies. I think the Mexico one comes to mind. South Africa, in Af in America as well, about why do people bleach their skin? We know that you know. Listen for the shocker. This one breaks my heart. I will break yours. Lighter skinned children are treated better at home. Ah, I know. I know, breaks my heart. You've got four children, you've got two children, you've got three children. The lighter skinned one gets less punishment. It's more likely to get a better education. It's more likely to be encouraged to do well, professionally, academically, right? So what does that say to the darker skinned child, right? I, I know women that send me messages or they send me DMs all the time. My mom calls me ugly because I'm dark skinned. I have a relative that told, that asked me, how can I lighten the skin of my child? She looks so unattractive. Said child was seven years old. Gosh, that does break my heart. Someone today, a friend sent me a, a message today that showed someone advertising skincare products to lighten children's skin and it had 67,000 likes on Instagram. 67,000 saying uh, your dark skin baby's not doing this, uh, your light skin baby's getting darker, come buy this product to lighten their skin. 67,000 parents thought that was a good idea because it's not the children clicking likes, right? No, so and unfortunately, right, it's hopefully all the parents through all the inherent racism and all the systemic racism thinking that they're doing great things for their children right exactly so why are they doing this it's not because they hate their children it's because they want their children to to look better and do better in life there's something at the back of your head saying if my ch child is lighter I know, maybe not consciously, I treat them differently, right? Because the studies are that they treat lighter skinned children better. We know that people that are lighter in skin are more likely to be employed, especially some kind of jobs, you know, customer service jobs. There are, there are banks <laughs> in places that we know that would only employ a light skinned woman of a particular look, right? So that's economically, that's financial, that's your money. How do you make money if you don't look this way, right? Mm -hmm. If Hollywood's only going to employ you, if you look like this, then what's the big deal? You, you lighten your skin. Um, we know that, um, that there's an aspirational aspect of it, right? Where in the, if you think about um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Caribbean, right? The the white slave owners would, um, would sleep with their black slaves and have these light-skinned children that were black, would be regarded as black, but we know that those people got better opportunities in life. They were lighter skin, they would get better education, get better opportunities. So that became aspirational. I want to be like this person. Um, in Jamaica, there was a time all the um, Miss Jamaica were light-skinned. I don't even think it's changed. So what does that say to a 12-year-old girl? If I want to be beautiful and like this woman, I have to have light skin. 
So those are those are the kind of almost unconscious things that that are in there that makes you aspire to be that way, right? You can't, you don't even know what's going on. Just naturally, you want your child to be lighter. You want to be lighter, right? Do you know that lighter skinned children uh, have more friends? Hmm. People want to befriend them more, right? Um, teachers treat them better. This is evidence-based medicine. This is not made up. There are studies showing this. So how does that, you know, how do you fight that? How do you fight that? So, so those are the kind of background things we need to talk about, kind of disabuse our minds, educate ourselves so that it helps us to know, to say, so you understand this, that's why you shouldn't do that, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we have, we have talked previously, of course, with um, darker skin hyperpigmentation becomes more of a medical issue. So there might certainly be marks from acne. There might certainly be, you know, marks from tweezing that again is also very understandable, right? That people might want to even their skin tone. Yet what you're really talking about is the cosmetic lightening of the mm -hmm. skin. So we're not necessarily talking about, you know, somebody had a scar or has some acne mark. And of course they want to even out their face. It is about people sort of, and you know, Michael Jackson, of course, is like the prime example for this, right? Wanting to almost eradicate some of their blackness yes, and their dark skin in order to look more Mm -hmm. Caucasian lighter, again, a very like colonized kind of mm -hmm. past history view of the world. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I will I will not gloss over because I wanted us to talk about it as well, the hyperpigmentation issue, which is a big problem for black skin, because that's one of the commonest complaints with, with the skin of color. Um First of all, we um, the use of sunscreen is not talked about a lot in, in the black skin because we believe, which is true, that melanin gives a kind of sun protection, and it does. But I always remind people that melanin gives a, a sunscreen protection of about an SPF 13, right? If we're being generous, but you need at least an SPF 30, Three zero to protect your skin from sun damage. So, uh, so you would then see women that work outside, I mean, women that till the land or uh, work outdoors for whatever reason, gardeners um, uh, in the market, you know, that they would have darker skin and would age quicker. They would develop lines and wrinkles quicker because of the effects of the sun. So if we're going to protect our skin from lines and wrinkles from hyperpigmentation, then we need sun protection. And that is not said enough, right? Um, that we need sunscreen every day, 365 days of the year. It doesn't matter whether it's winter, summer, spring, whatever, you need sunscreen every day. So that needs to be preached. So we cannot overlook the medical aspect as well, because sometimes that leads to what then becomes a cosmetic thing, right? Because you're using hydroquinone, it's taking off the hyperpigmentation, then everyone starts complimenting you. Oh, you're glowing, you look nice. So, so you carry on using it when you should stop, you carry on using it long term. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, just because um, darker skin does not have the propensity for burning or mm -hmm. getting, you know, sunburns, um, we do absolutely need sunscreen to prevent from sun damage, prevent skin cancers, prevent signs of aging, and, um, you know, prevent hyperpigmentation that you you know, you and I have both identified as really the most commonly kind of cited concern that, um, you know, darker skin um, at least comes to my office with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now, I'm, I'll take you back about the, the um, sunburn. Many Black people burn in the sun. They will tell you. In fact, I have friends that when I got, they'll tell you, oh, I'm burning now. They know they have sunburn. Um, so they do have, and they will tell you the difference. When I protect my skin, I don't burn. So that's another thing like, no, we do burn. And many people know when they're burning, but they don't know the solution to it. They don't know what they need to do. So this is why we have to talk about sun, sun um, protection and as well. Thank you so much for correcting me. Thank you. <laughs> and okay. then another thing I wanted to mention, you know, I love how you gave um, very many international worldwide examples. And seeing that, you know, we do have listeners from close to 50 countries, so that is wonderful, um, including Africa, the Middle East, Europe, kind of really all across the globe. So very, very timely. However, for our listeners in the US and in Canada, where you are, I want to be clear that this is also just as prevalent in the US, you know, just because um, Dr. Akinde Ko gave examples from you know, countries like Nigeria does not mean the prevalence is any different in the United States or in Canada. No, it's not. And the reason I like Nigeria as a, as a good example of a Black country, because it's a good place to do studies on Black skin. It has the most Black humans on planet. That's a country that has the most Black humans living in one place. And that's one. Um, two, Nigerians travel everywhere. I can't remember if it was one of the presidents in York in America that said, anywhere you go, you don't find a Nigeria run <laughs> because you know, Nigerians are everywhere. And I've got Nigerian heritage, right? I've lived on, oh, my claim to fame. My one claim to fame is that I've lived on three continents, right? I've lived in That's Africa. That's a great claim to fame. <laughs> That's my only claim to fame. I've lived in Africa, I've lived in Europe, and now I live in North America. So um, so it's really nice seeing that interplay. Um, so I, 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 would, I use Nigeria because Nigeria is on my mind today because of that, um, the study, the WHO study and the drug agency um, announcement that it's now an emergency. But it's the same everywhere. It's the same in India. Oh my goodness, have you seen the studies about India? Yes, actually, it's it's that is what came to my mind when you um, you know, said that about Nigeria. I hadn't read the Nigerian kind of press release, and I've read a lot of studies coming out of India. Yes, because again, it's a ones, very populous country. Yeah. Have you read the ones about the Philippines? In fact, the IV glutathione studies were from the Philippines it was a huge thing there and um, and i don't I, I want to say quickly before and i forget that korea and japan you know Thank it's you. in a lot of asian countries it's yes. it's the same it's wanting yes. that glass white skin yes yes 
Imagine using an intravenous drug to lighten your skin and forgetting about hepatitis and HIV you can just get from someone putting a needle and they're not medically trained, right? So taking the risk, taking that risk um, for that reason. So it's, we have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And what is sort of the history of skin bleaching? Like, how did it all start? I mean, I'm sure people have tried to do it as long as we have records for, right? Mm -hmm. I, if I remember, I think there was something about some Egyptian product found many gazillion moons ago. Sorry, um, I'm not being flippant, but I can't remember the, the year was found where there were some Egyptian products that was purported to, to lighten the skin. And over time, it's just, you know, then there was the discovery of hydroquinone. Hydroquinone has been with us for decades now. I'm trying to remember maybe 50, 60 years. It's one of the, you know, um, topical like cream products that we've had for the skin. So that's been around for years. And then also it got to where you're treating for other reasons. So you're treating um, the skin for um, like, there's a, there's a product that's quite popular that some black people use to lighten their skin and it's called Funbact A, which is a product that is an antifungal, antibacterial, and it's got steroid in it. So you're treating a skin condition and then people find, oh, this makes my skin lighter. So they use it all the time right and destroy that you know that natural skin barriers a cream that's not meant to be used for weeks and weeks and weeks gets used for months and years so it's almost like humans looking for a way to beautify themselves which we've always done will never stop we've always looked for ways to look better and just with the advent of new medications people have used the side effects of the medication to beautify themselves. For example, glutathione. The story of glutathione is that it was used as an antioxidant after chemotherapy to reduce the effects of chemotherapy. They found it helped patients tolerate um, chemotherapy, which is a medication, which is treatment for cancer. And some of these patients found that it lightened their skin. So the word got out. And now people are using it just for lightening their skin. And some people are denying that it's for lightening skin and it's just for antioxidation. You're an entrepreneur. Have you been able to sell anything to a patient by saying this is an antioxidant? Like, what does what well, and I'm sure when we go on all those people's websites, it is gonna tell you that it will brighten and lighten. I think that's Thank normally you. what we kind of Thank put you. together in a hodgepodge, Thank right? You. Brighten and lighten. We're not, we're not, no one's selling an antioxidant. Someone's tell, selling, uh, you know, what the patients will see, right? So, um, so that, that's, that's kind of probably the history over years. And the more people do it, the more people find other ways to do it. Um, I once saw a video on social media. I still haven't worked out how they got that, where they were peeling off someone's skin. Like, they, have you seen those videos? Mm -hmm. How do they do that? I, don't know. <laughs> I think some of them are like really deep phenol peels and they peel them off too early. Um, 
but anyway, kind of quickly, um, going back in a little bit different direction. Um, so people also don't just bleach the skin on their faces, right? Like I have heard, and again, I am not African-American. So if I'm completely off base, please let me know. But there's a lot of general bleaching going on too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Cardi B tweeted about it famously a while ago about how she bleaches her intimate areas. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that going on as well. There you know, a- and of course, there's so many implications with women also feeling that they're sexual organs. Because now we're getting into, you know, a whole other topic, not just of covert racism, but also, you know, the value of the feminine. Um, but really, if somebody's taking hydroquinone, and we've talked a lot about you know, what can happen when it's done over time. Um, you know, it is important. And, and just to give people some practical advice, it is important that people take hydroquin on holidays um, because you can get some sort of paradoxical reaction. So, you know, of course, even though we can raise awareness, um, you and I know that we're not going to change the culture with a podcast episode. So I would love for you to kind of give some practical tips as a physician. Let's say somebody is using hydroquinone, whether it's for their acne, hyperpigmentation, or maybe they've got some melasma or sun damage or whatever reason, like there is some safe ways to use it. So first of all, um, always engage with a doctor, an aesthetic doctor, a dermatologist, do not just buy hydroquinone over the counter. Always engage with someone to talk about hydroquinone. If also, I never ever encourage hydroquinone use more than three months in black people, never. I always aim for a result. So sometimes you find depending because we're all individuals, right? So some, some of my patients, in six weeks, they're there, they're there, they're cured. I say, stop, uh, wean yourself off it. Then like you you were trying to say about the holiday, so you can dip in and dip out. Don't throw your bottle away, dip in and dip out. Get the results you want, stop. Do not use hydroquinone long-term. It causes a reaction called ochronosis, which is irreversible. There is no treatment on the planet for ochronosis. And that's that dark blue um, hyper or dark blue dark patches or black patches you see on the cheeks, sometimes on the temples um, on the sometimes on knuckles you cannot reverse it there is no treatment once you get there that's the end the only management for that is cosmetic uh, and powders to cover it up foundation so we never want you to get there we never ever want you to get there when you're using hydroquinone and every day of your life always use sunscreen if you put only one thing on your body, let it be sunscreen, especially your face and the areas that are exposed to the sun. Always use sunscreen. There are other products ha- apart from hydroquinone that you can use to lighten your skin a bit safer, that you can even use long term, right? Yes. So things like vitamin C serums and retinol and sometimes things like niacinamide. Project acid. Kojic acid, azelaic acid, um, alpha hydroxy acids. My patients get really good results with glycolic acids. And and glycolic acid and washes and the occasional peel. 
lactic acid, mandelic acids, those beautiful, beautiful products that help to get rid of pigmentation, help to treat your acne, smoothing your skin, help with lines and wrinkles. What's not to like? Apart from you don't get the evil that um, hydroquinone does to your skin long-term or even steroids. As you know, many people also- Yeah, we absolutely do like have a no steroid on the face kind of policy because you and I know it's not good. Yeah, because it thins your skin. It causes um, um, dark patches in the long run as well. Thins your skin. It can cause rashes. Um, it can cause um, fungal infections. And lots of studies about how it can penetrate your skin. It goes in. It's not just on the skin. It goes in and affects your kidneys, affects your blood pressure, makes your blood pressure goes, go up, can affect your cholesterol, affect your adrenal glands that produce um, steroids. So you become dependent on it and you become really unwell if you come off um, steroids. So it's such a huge issue. So many um, studies talking about it. And the most important thing, well, it's not the most important thing, but in the bid to look beautiful, right? We don't want to thin our skin and even have more wrinkles, which is what steroids will do. It will thin your skin. It will make the wrinkles even more obvious, right? And especially, yeah, go on. Yeah, and obviously I was going to say, you know, if you have a medical condition that a physician treats for like a week with steroids, that is not what's going to happen, people. So no. we're not saying don't use it, but what we're saying is a lot of people in their bid to have this light skin or to self-treat, they will do a lot of damage to their skin. Yes. Always use steroids under medical direction. Under medical direction. Don't self-direct and use steroids. And as bad as this sounds, because I know people will do it, they will use steroids, then just use it for a short time because long-term use is is no good if you're using it yourself. If you're using it under doctor directions, that is a whole different thing because we use steroids for lots of important medical conditions, but we have ways of monitoring it. I've got patients that are on long-term steroids for sarcoidosis and arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis and all kinds of things, lupus, right? Lots of lots of lupus, lupus. But you don't, you, you, it's always under medical direction. We're always thinking of protecting your bones. We're thinking of protecting your stomach. Are you doing that when you, when you buy steroids over the counter? Do you think about your bones? Do you know that it thins out your bones and you're more likely to have a fracture? And if you break a bone, your life expectancy reduces. We have to stay focused, people. Health over beauty. <laughs> yes, maybe maybe that should be the name of this episode, Health, health over Beauty. Um, health over Beauty. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so really, and, you know, we do use some hydroquinone in my practice. Um, but like you said, we are very mindful to sort of say, Hey, look, now you've gotten two jars. Now you need to switch to the hydroquinone free lightener, or let's do this peel or, you know, let's go on maintenance. And I think, like you said, sometimes, um, people also are psychologically dependent on it, right? Because the, the hydroquinone or whatever helped them get rid of their thing. They're so afraid 
that the day they stop, it will all irreversibly come back and, you know, something really, really bad will happen. But like we said, there is sunscreen, there's maybe some vitamin C and glycolic acid and other things to keep it up. And, you know, in my practice, and I've trained all of my staff to say, listen, nobody is on hydroquinone more than a certain amount of time. And we make sure to stock lots of good alternative effective and safe options yeah yeah so um th that's perfect i've got nothing nothing to add to that <laughs> awesome well perfect. i would love to talk about your own skincare line if you're willing to kind of make a switch so first of all if you guys aren't watching this on youtube you should at least pop into youtube because Dr. Akin Deco's skin is like flawlessly beautiful and she does have her own skincare line. So why don't you, as the owner of the skincare line versus me having looked at it on the internet, tell us what the philosophy is about your skincare line, what it focuses on, what it does and how people can, can find it. So thank you. So at the beginning, remember the stories I told you about and I felt um, that, well, I wanted to speak to, to people in a place they could hear. So I started Facebook Lives and I used to talk about different things. I'll talk about management of acne. I've got loads of videos. And people would dare me and say, which one should we buy? I bought this product and I'm not sure. And I'll be like, okay, send me the ingredients and all that. And then somebody like, just make a skincare line. Just make my life easier, right? All these things you're saying, I identify with it. I know what you're talking about. So I, I developed um, DYS. Um, that's the name of the skincare range. It's Dr. Yinka Skin. And it's got four products in it. And I'll tell you the products and I'd love to hear your reaction. So one, I've got a hydroxy acid one. So it's got glycolic acid and salicylic acid. She's nodding. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's going to really make sure you have no acne, no rosacea, no like anything. Yeah. It is going to give you that bright. Yeah. And there's a vitamin C serum, which is a 20% vitamin C, which in the studies say this is the dose we should be going for. It's got vitamin E in it. In it. It's got ferulic acid in it, which we know those three products work really well together. Um, then the third thing is an SPF 50, a sunscreen that was made for black skin in mind. It was made for me, right? something that would hydrate my skin without making it look greasy. It would um, not leave any whitish tint or bluish tint. I don't look like someone of avatar, you know. <laughs> yeah, so that, that sunscreen. And then the last thing is a retinol, a 1% retinol for the nighttime as an anti-aging to also help treat acne, to help even our skin tone. So those are the um, four products in the range. So, so first of all, that's fabulous. And, and I've got to admit, so one of my fabulous estheticians um, has black skin and I absolutely love how much she's educated me. And of course it really helps give uh, my practice a much more inclusive feel because again, you know, people with skin of color really are like, oh, you know, like you have a black provider. She's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But whenever we try new sunscreens, I will literally be like, here, before we buy this, can you just see if it's any good? Because, you know, it look okay on me, 
but there's these two that I'm planning on buying. Will you give me your opinion to tell me for like skin of color, do these work or do I just like not even need to order them? Yes. Yeah, so that is so important because not all sunscreen cream work for us. So I was uh, one of, one of the stories I had of uh, uh, the final story was I went for a, a training once. It was a training on chemical peels and is one of the biggest brands. If I say the name, you know the name, and they were doing the um, uh, uh, training on peels so on that day as per usual I was the only skin of color there and they were doing it for everyone and then it got to my turn they trained us on the model then they did on all of us and then they said for me to lie down so I lay down they did their thin thing and at the end the final thing was to put some protection now this is a brand I loved and I still love and um and I stood up and then the next person went on to get their own treatment and then this guy next to me nods me and says, um, I think you need to wipe your face. So I thought maybe there was some product left. So I rubbed my hands over it. And then he said, and then we carried on. And then like five, 10 minutes later, he said, I think you need to wipe a bit more. I said, okay, fine. So I grabbed the uh, towel thing on the table and wiped a bit more. Like five, 10 minutes later, he said, I think you need to go to the washroom and have a look and wipe your face a bit more. Of course I couldn't see, so I didn't know what he was talking about. So I went in the washroom, opened the door and the mirror was there. And in that moment, there were conversations and they were very sad conversations because I thought to myself, as much as I love this product, this person, it was a doctor led brand, did not think about me when they made these products. And heavens forbid, if I didn't have that guy next to me telling me there was something wrong with my face, I would have gone home like that because there was no reason for me to look in the mirror. I would have walked through the streets of central London because this training happened in central London with thousands, maybe millions of people walked on the underground and walked to my home that way. Um, and it was, a, it was, I stood in that room and I was actually quite upset because I thought, I've come out this way to learn about this man's product, but he didn't make it for me. Mm. He didn't. He didn't think about me. There was no time it crossed his mind that someone like me might want to use his product. So it made me quite emotional. And th so that's kind of the ethos sometimes behind the product. It will work for you, but if someone looks like me, it would work for them as well, because I thought about them when I was making the product. And I, and I really love that. And that was the next thing that I was going to ask. Um, your brand is really meant to be inclusive, right? It is not for, it will not only be for black skin. It is for all skin types, colors, ethnicities, the whole yes. gamut. Yes. Yes, sometimes men ask me, we need their own, our own skin lines. I said, is your skin different from women's skin? Do you not have the same kind of issues? Do you don't think you need some protection? Go, go use this sun protection. Go use retinol. You need it too. You need to look as fabulous as the women look. <laughs> you know. And um, tell me, um, is your skincare available online? If people yes. want to look it up? Yes. Why don't it you just tell been. us? If somebody resonated with it, where they can find your skin line and maybe where they can find all of you and your Facebook lives and you do a lot of speaking and you do a lot of advocacy and you really kind of do a lot, I think, to sort of have this important conversation about 
still what it means to be black in aesthetics. Okay, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as Dr. Yinka Skin. So it's D-R-Y-I-N-K-A-S-K-I-N. Some of them I have a dot here and there just um, to make it easier. And we will put it all in the show notes as well. Perfect. Um, so, and, um, and the website for the skincare product is Dr. Dr. Yinka Skin. So D-R-Y-I-N-K-A-S-K-I-N.com, dryinkaskin.com. Um, and the products are there. Like I said, they're just the four most impo- important products you need. No point confusing you. If you just need a sunscreen, go there, get your sunscreen, right? If you want something to brighten as well, maybe your vitamin C and your sunscreen. Always have a sunscreen. And the other part of me that I'm trying to do, and I'm doing loads of actually, is the advocacy, especially with inclusion, with um, skincare. So I've been on TV talking about skincare, um, especially with the skin of color in mind. Um, and I want to talk a lot more about you know, diversity and equity and the history of why um, of racism and how we can kind of conquer this and um, mindset and how we can push through and just be better. So if you need someone to speak on these topics, then let me know. You can always message me on any of the social media platforms. Awesome. And of course, if this resonate, if this episode resonated with you, Dr. Yanka and I would love to hear about it. I thank you so much for bringing up sort of these important sensitive topics through stories, through humor, through your expertise. Like I don't think anybody else could have. Um, So thank you so much. And um, you have all of our information and um, yeah, thank you for being on and thank you listeners for listening. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Doctor podcast with Dr. Judith Borger. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. Follow Dr. Borger on Instagram at Dr. Borger and find more online and ways to work with Dr. Borger at www.theaestheticdoctor.com. Until next time, be well.